right, I, I let Sage pick today's Friday second hour hype music. Going a little deep purple on us. Mm-hmm. Is this hyping you up? Turn it back up. Let's try. I can't sing. Uh, yeah, yeah, not too bad. Not a bad pick. Not too bad. Although I, you know, I've heard it a hundred times. I put that in the bed music list, and uh, you know, never satisfied. Speaking of Sage, he's here playing after a day of playing hooky. Hour two of the game, Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, <laughs> Sajay Williams. You know, some people would say, "Oh, Sage, you're back. I hope you're feeling better. I hope everything's going well." Listen, no. I'm just saying, for those that call in sick and they're gone one day. I'm a bit suspicious. What were you really doing? Were you at home eating soup? Or were you out having fun with some friends eating Chipotle and playing billiards at a bar? Okay, you went that direction. I was going to say, and uh, how was the golf yesterday? No, that's not for me. <laughs> golf? <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what everybody plays hooky for at this point of the summer. Oh, that's my dad, not me. <laughs> <laughs> trying to think what I used to do. I, I, I did cut school a couple of times. Sometimes I, I, I kept doing it as long as I could get away with it. I would just show up at school like third period because I just slept in. And then I think one of the secretaries caught on to what I was doing and like called my mom. And my mom didn't cover for me. And... uh yeah, I got like a half-day suspension, maybe a full-day suspension. I don't remember. Troy, were you a rebel? No. Did you ever cut school? Nope. Can you believe that? How old were you when you f- smoked your first cigarette? 16. Yeah. That seems pretty normal for, let's see, you're 50, so do the math here. You That would have been 86, 87, 88, I don't know, 88? Would have been 86, 87, yeah. Yeah, it seems about right, starting at 16. Mm-hmm. My mom started at 14 is when she started smoking, but she gave it up about a year and a half ago. Yeah, it didn't last very long with me. Because you coughed. <laughs> oh, this isn't right. The taste. The taste? The, the the waking up the next morning and having that taste in my mouth, just no. Could not take it. And you've never smoked pot, right? Correct. Wow. Maybe that's what Sage was doing. Breaking laws. What laws am I breaking? <laughs> What'd you do after you smoke some weed, Sage? Rob a gas station? Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's the place to rob, I guess, at this point, because gas is really expensive. The heck with that. Let's just go rob Wall Street. (laughs) Good one. Come up with a good way to... Anyway, yeah. Today's National Donut Day, huh? Yes, it is. Just hit me with a plain, uh, not a plain, but like a just a chocolate glazed donut, and I'm happy. I'm the same way. Right up the hill here, place just called Donuts. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Pretty good option. Been here a year and still haven't sampled them. Varsity, of course, is right there in the mix. 
I think Varsity though they're they're famous for their uh, mac and uh, help me out it's Sage. It's a grilled cheese mac and yeah, cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. The grilled cheese mac and cheese. That's mm-hmm. what they're known for. Off the truck. I don't think I've ever had a Varsity donut. I think maybe really? a couple of times I have, but I've never I've never had the the grilled mac and cheese. It still amazes me, Voodoo Donuts out in Portland. How, how popular cr- it is. How crazy it is to get into that place. I, I was in Portland three or four years ago. Did the Voodoo Donuts thing? Pretty normal to me. I didn't think it was anything great. Right. I mean, they had the actual Voodoo Donut with the like the the pretzel mm-hmm. like jabbed into it like a Voodoo doll. Didn't get that one. I just got a couple of donuts. They're, Actually, I think Mike DeBini paid the bill on that one. We stayed across the street from their main location there in Portland. And my window from my hotel room overlooked the store. And I'm thinking Saturday, okay, you know, I may sneak across here at some point, go grab. And every time I looked out the window, the line is wrapped around the building. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, I'm not going to worry about it. You know, I'll see what it's like when we get back from the game. We get back, and I look out the window, 10 o'clock at night, line is wrapped around the building. The entire day, they had people lined up out the door. It was unreal. When I went, the line wasn't very long. Didn't take too long to get in. It was moving. This was before, but, though, that they before they opened their second location out there. The thing is, though, it's not worth standing in line for thirty minutes for, or right. an hour, but whatever. The, it, uh, yeah, not worth it. It's a donut. Now you can find some great donuts. You can find some crappy donuts. They're good donuts there in, in Portland. I would say around here, though, I think there's a couple of places here. I think they're better than out at Voodoo Donuts. Varsity would be one of them. Donuts mm-hmm. up the hill is another one. Great, uh, great option. Mm-hmm. Cinnamon rolls are really good. This is a cinnamon roll a donut. Is no. it is it counted as a donut even though they're sold right next to each other? No, not a donut. In a donut shop, pastry. A pastry. It's still <laughs> delicious. Speaking of, uh, man, I tell you what, tasty pastry up in Clay Center. They have the nut rolls. They're famous for those delicious sage i found it says american cinnamon rolls are frequently topped with icing sometimes fried finished with a glaze and served as a variation of a raised donut well there you have it ladies and gentlemen we have all learned something today who fries a cinnamon roll (laughs) i don't know but i guess someone's doing it uh i would suggest by the way if you are on the i-25 corridor at any point stop by johnson's corner their cinnamon rolls are to die for. Well, the Classic cinnamon rolls stop. in Clay Center are to die for. Come back to life <laughs> and eat another one. I, I'm just adding to the list of places to try. Let's talk K-State football here because Caesar's Sportsbook, this was a couple of days ago. I think it's a good time to talk about it now. Released its Big 12 championship odds. The odds that a team will win the Big 12 championship. And I'm going to offend you right away. In first place, Texas. Come on. At plus 175. How do they get fooled like this? You know, it's an interesting case this year. 
because Oklahoma would come in second, just slightly higher odds at plus 200. Plus 400 is Oklahoma State. Six hundo is Baylor. And then you have a big jump. Iowa State and K-State are tied for fifth at plus 2,500. Here, before we continue on talking about this, Sage, I, we're talking about Vegas stuff. Take me to Vegas, please. Take me to Vegas. I need, I, need I need to do this segment from Vegas. Yes, thank you. Now I feel at home. Now I feel like I can talk about this appropriately. Because K-State not only being tied with Iowa State in the odds at 2,500, which, here's the deal. As a diehard K-State fan, that's offensive to me. As a gambler, I'm chomping at the bit mm-hmm. to lay down some cash on the cats. That is a value pick right there, ladies and gentlemen. 2500 plus. For those that don't know what that means, if you bet 100 bucks and you win, you're winning your tw- yourself $2,500. That's pretty good. Especially since K-State is considered the dark horse of the Big 12 this season. Not by everybody, but by some. Me included. But with Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Baylor, they're all of having to replace a lot of key talent. Go and give me the... Um, send me to the casino now, if you don't mind, Sage. Get me in the casino now. I gotta put down my bets. Thank you. <laughs> Baylor, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Texas. I mean, Texas, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State, or uh, Baylor, rather, they're all going to have new quarterbacks. Now, Blake Shapin of Baylor, he was already with the team, of course. Jerry Bohannon transfers. Shapin was the quarterback for the Big 12 championship game. He also finished the K-State game and was really good. So that's he's going to be tough. He's going to be tough, but Oklahoma has a... The, the transfer from UCF, Dylan Gabriel, who was hurt for some of the season last year, but two seasons prior to that was pretty good for the for the Knights. Texas, they're an interesting case because former Ohio State Buckeye who threw like just a handful of passes, Quinn Ewers is gonna be their starting quarterback. They also returned B. John Robinson at running back. Xavier Worthy at wide receiver. Texas is going to hang their hat on three guys offensively. Meanwhile, defensively, they got a lot of holes to fill. And we're talking about holes where they were already struggling last year. They were not great at getting sacks. They weren't so great at pressuring the quarterback. They gave up over 200 yards on the ground per ball game. They gave up over six yards a snap. And they're trying to reload from that defense last year. Mm-hmm. But here's my case for K-State, just as of today. We all know Coach Kleiman and staff, To f- this last month, they got hot. They got really hot recruiting, mm-hmm. adding guys on the defense in the secondary, linebacker, and Anthony Frias is going to back up. Deuce Vaughn at the running back position, who I'm really high on as well. Mm-hmm. And his family couldn't be more thrilled that he's coming to K-State if you saw that celebration on Twitter. I loved everything about it. The difference between K-State 
and the five teams above them or equal with them in these in these odds from Vegas from Caesar's Palace. K-State has the most star power returning on defense than any of them. K-State is the only team, in my opinion, that has talent, that has like all Big 12 first-team caliber type of talent at all three levels. Do you want me to start naming names? I could. But I, I, I suppose I could save you the time. If you're a K-State fan, you know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Offensively, yes, there are some questions. Filling the holes on the offensive line. How productive will that be? And how soon will it be productive? For sure. But I have my I'm a thoughts. And I do think that they're going to be pretty good. Deuce Vaughn. The man. The best running back in the country. I mean, the, the questions are, Adrian Martinez, can he clean up the turnovers? And can, is he going to have a great relationship with the wide receivers? But defensively... I know the coaching staff had to work on finding guys that'll add to the depth of the defense. But we already knew who the starters were going to be, for the most part. We already knew who the starters were going to be by the springtime. And when you think about who Casey has as a starting unit for the defense, you feel really good about that. K-State has that advantage over most of the teams in the Big 12 of the guys that are returning defensively. Oklahoma, boy, they lost the Lincoln-Riley sweepstakes, but they got Britton Venables, who's a defensive guy. And Texas, they brought in Gary Patterson in an off-field type of role. But, of course, you know, he's going to work with them mm-hmm. and try to correct the issues that the defense had last year. And they had a lot of them. But K-State comes in with a strong advantage, in my opinion, defensively. These teams that have the better odds – you know, they're going to have some talent. But when it comes to ready to go, you already know what they got type of talent. I think K-State has an advantage. That's why they're such a value bet and a dark horse for a Big 12 title run. I wouldn't say today that I would pick them to win the Big 12. As a matter of fact, I don't think I could tell you who I feel like could win the Big 12. We're too early in the game for that. Right, and these teams are going to look a lot different than they did last year. Yes, Three of the ten Big 12 teams are going to have new starting quarterbacks. The ones that have the returning quarterbacks is going to be TCU, KU, and Oklahoma State. I'm probably not going to pick Oklahoma State to win the championship this year. They already have a fluky offensive line. I say fluky, like inconsistent. Right. Inconsistent offensive line. They're replacing like their top six tacklers from last year. There's a whole lot of replacing going on with these top-tier teams. Their defense was underrated, honestly, in terms of how it kept them in games last oh, year. Oh, I mean, Oklahoma State's defense was great last year. But they're losing their best player. They're losing guys in the secondary. The I, I, If I remember correctly about Oklahoma State, trying to rack my noggin here a little bit, they lose Malcolm Rodriguez. I'm not exactly sure where they're at on the defensive line. But yes, their defense was really good last year. And Iowa State, I mean, geez Louise. (laughs) Don't even try. That's where I may be the most offended. Right. Is that K-State is seen as an equal in Vegas to Iowa State. Iowa State 
has gone a different route by replacing their big playmakers. And they're just moving guys up. Maybe not all the playmakers, but certainly if you can look at the defense, that's the way they've decided to go. Like the, they, they got some time on the field. Now they're going to become the starters. Um, is it Deckers? I'm forgetting his name now, but the new quarterback, he is already there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm telling yep. you, Iowa State, K-State's better than Iowa State this upcoming season. They're not equals. K-State's better. They're going to win up there in Ames. But Felix, Andy, DK, Uzama, Eli Huggins, Jalen Pickle, Nate Matlack, Khalid Duke. I mean, that's a strong defensive line, and that's where it all starts. Linebacker position, Deuce Green, Will Honus most likely. And the secondary is going to have a lot of moving parts. A lot of moving parts and a lot of guys. But you know at the corner position, you might have the best tag team at the corner position in the Big 12 in Echo Boido and Julius Brintz. I could go on and on about the value of K-State in Vegas right now is. Get on a plane because you can't make your bets yet. So get on a plane and take advantage of this plus 2,500. Put 20 bucks down if you're cheap. I'd put down a cool hundo. Because that's just too good to pass up. And I and I bet you as well. I mean, these odds are clearly, in my opinion, and I'm sure it's mostly this way, just about offense. I mean, offensively, it's a lot of hype. It's a lot of hype for teams like mm-hmm. Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, Texas is getting the push. Because of the star power of B. John Robinson, and they had the newcomer of the year in the Big 12 and the best wide receiver, Xavier Worthy. I mean, that's a dream scenario to come into if you're a quarterback, like what Texas is bringing in, the transfer from Ohio State in Quinn Ewers. I'm not honestly surprised to see Texas at the top for multiple reasons. I don't blame Caesars for putting them up there. They have some solid offensive talent back. But defensively, they got a lot of work to do. And so does Oklahoma. And so does Oklahoma State. Baylor's replacing Jalen Petrie, who just went to the NFL draft. A lot of work has to be made defensively for a lot of these top-tier teams. K-State is in a good spot. They have a bit of a head start. And a lot of the teams are going to be picked to win the conference this year. Let's take a timeout. When we come back... We honor a late royal. That's next. All right, Troy, now's your time. Anything you want to say about the Royals? Let's get it off your chest. The highlight of the day is that Carlos Santana is on the bench to begin tonight's (laughs) ballgame. They're actually DHing Melendez tonight. Okay. I'm all for that. Yeah, absolutely. All for that. Um, by the way, and yeah, I noted this to you earlier, Joe Girardi out as manager of the Phillies. He had them at 22 and 29. Actually, not bad given the roster that they've got. How long had has he been Had he been with the third year? Phillies. Oh, third year. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking second, yeah. but I couldn't remember. Uh, so he's fired with his team at 22 and 29. Cal Eldred still has a job as pitching coach in Kansas City. That's yeah, and, he, just wrong. and he's had more than three years. And he's had more than three years. Yeah. It just... No. 
Listen, I'm sure uh, 99% of the Royals fans listening right now would uh, agree with everything you have to say. And have already said. It, yeah. When when you love your team, you know, (laughs) right? Oh, boy. Of all your favorite teams are the Royals, the top. Yeah. You're, You're more a baseball guy than anything else? Yeah, I am. I am. Grew up listening to it. There's heritage sure. there. Um, that that goes back to my grandmother. Where were you when the Royals won the '85 World Series? Sitting at home in Circleville, watching in rapt attention in front of the TV. I can tell you also, Game Six. I was at my grandparents' home in Tipton, watching with my cousins that live from Beloit, and literally we were all jammed into the living room. And that was not a very big house. I still get amazed that my grandparents raised six kids in that house. Because it was a small house in the grand scheme of things. What was the first Royals game you went to? Uh, 1982, a game against Detroit. Do you remember anything about it? I don't. Hmm. I'm trying to think of... When my first game was, I want to say 2010. Oh, I I know exactly what it was. Well, I don't know exactly, but I, I think it was around like 2009, 2010, because it was against the Mariners, and Ken Griffey Jr. was still on the team mm-hmm. with Ichiro, of course, and it was during batting practice. Ken Griffey Jr. hit like a foul ball-ish or just bounced into the stands, and I went and got it. So I have I still have a Ken Griffey Jr. B uh, BP foul ball that I tried to get him to sign, and I also was I was like the first one there. Like this was before the gates were open. I was there for the KAB thing. Okay, and um, so I'm only the only one standing there with a pin and the baseball. Ichiro ignored me. Ken Griffey Jr. ignored me. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. Didn't, didn't get an autograph, and I'm not an autograph guy, but I tried. Age, probably. What, you don't think they could hear me? That, that, no, that, <laughs> that you were an adult versus being a kid asking for well, the autograph. I mean, 20 years old. Yeah, I don't know. I, I still looked pretty young back then. This was, we went in 82, and it was part of family vacation because we went to Worlds of Fun the next day. Oh, cool. Um, or eight, Worlds of Fun in 82. Yes. Was it fun? Of course. Did they have roller coasters back then? Yes, they did. Yes. Uh, at, the, at the time, let's see, I'm trying to remember. What was the name? Oh, Wooden. What, what was the name of the, uh, of the stand-up one that recently, or within the last decade, they got rid of? Is it the Orient Express? No, that's the, that was the beast that replaced uh, the roller coaster I'm thinking of. But at one point, it was the, their best coaster was a, was a straight-up, just sit-down roller coaster. And over time, they morphed it into being the stand-up one. Um, and you know, it, it was relatively tame in comparison to what the Orient Express was. Remember the Timberwolf? I don't know if it's still that's there. The, that's the one. That's the uh, one I was talking about. The worst roller coaster of all time. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> God. Its predecessor a, was pretty basic. A wooden ro- I haven't been to Worlds of Fun since I was in eighth grade. And that was 2005. I will always remember going to the original Elitch Gardens in Denver 
because it had one interesting, fluky ride because of where it was located. It literally was in a neighborhood. And so because they didn't have space for a full-on standard roller coaster, they did have a, you know, ancient wooden one that had been there for years. But literally, they just had a singular track, think like being on a monorail. And at one end, you started, it took you down the hill into a loop up the hill to the other end. They hit the brakes and you went on it backwards Hmm. because they only had the one section of, of track for it. Well, the reason, the reason I wanted to bring up the Royals today is because uh, today your Dono Ventura would have turned 31. Ace. And of course... We know he passed away January 22nd, 2017, at the age of 25 in a car accident in the Dominican Republic. Quit school at the age of 14, went into construction and joined the Royals uh, organization when he was 16 years old. And, I mean, even when he got into the organization, of course, I mean, a long shot. A long shot to make it up to the big leagues, but he did in 2013. He had a few starts in 2013 and became a rotation guy for the next three seasons. And his last game was September 30th of 2016, and he would pass away four months later. Mm-hmm. But I always like to – I think my favorite year, Donovan Ventura, I got to see him start one time. It was a loss against the Texas Rangers – in the 2015 season, he had, I remember that year, like he had a rough summer, but he would bounce back at the end of the season and postseason play. He would bounce back, but it was 2014 game six of the World Series. I think I remember him most, like his best outing. And it wasn't like statistically his best outing, but in that situation, in that game, it was huge because the Royals go into that game six down three to two and this. Young kid who's, what, 22, 23 years old, is starting in Game 6 after starting Game Mm 2 and became the first ever Royal to start as a rookie in a World Series. He pitches seven innings, does not give up a run, just three hits, four strikeouts. He did walk five. But, man, I that game... What I remember about Game 6, not only Jordano Ventura, which, by the way, Omar Infante... Had himself a pretty decent World Series, if I can remember correctly. Mm -hmm. But that game was early. It was over early. Seven runs in the second inning. We could relax as Royals fans because the offense had a big second inning. Your Donna Ventura was fantastic that night. We could ease our way in to a Game Mm 7. There was no really anything dramatic. We could relax and get set for Game 7. And your Donna Ventura was a huge part of that. Um, his fastball, I mean, my God, it could reach. I think he topped out in his career at 102, but it was steady, 96, 97, 98. But if early on, your Dono in the first inning, he would hit 100 once or twice, mm-hmm. especially early on in games. Man, for such a young kid – to have that kind of velocity, plus um, he did have his, str- his struggle with command once in a while. But when it was on, my God, was he good. 
I think the thing that hurts the most about the fact that he's no longer with us is we didn't get the opportunity to see what he could become. Much like we love what Zach Greinke has developed into over time as a pitcher, you know, let's be honest, when he started with the Royals, there was a lot of promise, but a lot of struggles. Ventura came in like a lightning bolt, and barring injuries, how would he have adapted his game over time? Would we be talking about him in the same breadth as a Zach Grenke for being the workhorse still? Maybe not with that blazing fastball at 31, but being a tremendous pitcher. That's what hurts. We don't, we'll never know. We'll never know. All the promise in the world and gone about as fast as it was here. Let's see how sharp you are with your memory. We're just talking 2014 World Series where mm-hmm. he started two games. Could you tell me the batting lineup for the Royals in oh, that geez. World Series? No, I could not. I mean, I'm sure you can name players, but mm-hmm. I want in order. <laughs> no, I could not. Come on, not. the leadoff man was the same in 2015. Sure, I'm just saying that in general, right off the top, no. Alcides Escobar. Right. Nori Aoki. Yeah, see, I'd miss that one. Yeah. Gordon, of course, in the three spot. Uh, no, that was Lorenzo Cain. Oh. Hosmer would bat fourth. Mm-hmm. Billy Butler was fifth. Right. Alex Gordon was sixth. Okay. Salvi, seventh. Moose, eighth. And then Omar Infante would bat ninth. The all-star, right? The all-star <laughs> yeah. Omar Infante. Omar Infante. All right, let's get Nori to our number one. <laughs> Jesus. Let's get to our number one song of the day next. Uh, Troy, I know you already know. We've had the discussion on this song in the movie, haven't we? Well, the movie. Well, I don't know about a discussion. It was brought up earlier this week. As a matter of fact, but from 1987, nothing's gonna stop us now by Starship. Two weeks at number one. At first, they were known as Jefferson Airplane. Some change to the lineup, and then they became Jefferson Starship. Another change to the lineup, and they become Starship. But who was in all three? Grace Slick. Yes, she was, and I believe she's singing right now. That would be her. But turn it up. We're getting there. Four Starship Alone, four studio albums, six top 40 hits, and this was their last of three number ones. From their second studio album, No Protection, 
Albert Hammond, who co-wrote this song, said that the idea for the song came from his impending marriage to his live-in girlfriend for seven years after his divorce from his previous wife was finalized. He says, it's almost like we they've stopped me from marrying this woman for seven years and they haven't succeeded. They're not going to stop me from doing it. And it's also the theme from the romantic comedy Mannequin. Andrew McCarthy. Yes. And Kim Cattrall. Yes. Kim Cattrall, who's also known as Samantha in Sex in the City. Hard to believe that before she was known for Sex in the City, she was among the mid-80s varying bombshells. Yeah. Jonathan Switcher. Andrew McCarthy, McCarthy. like you Mm -hmm. brought up. An unemployed artist finds a job as an assistant window dresser for a department store. When Jonathan happens to come upon a beautiful mannequin he previously designed, she springs to life and introduces herself as Emmy, played by Kim Cattrall. An Egyptian under an ancient spell. Despite interference from the store's devious manager, played by... Oh, please tell me that it was, uh... Oh, why do I want to... Now, of course, I'm going to blank on it. Um, Red. James Spader. Thank you. Welcome to the 80s, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Of course, known as Robert California in the show The Office. Oh, yeah, there was that, too. Jonathan and his mannequin fall in love while creating eye-catching window displays to keep the struggling store in business. I I haven't seen that show or that movie in many, many years. I was a kid the last time I watched it. What I remember is like the ending of like there's that conveyor belt with all the mannequin parts on it is going into this grinder and she's on this thing. Yes, and he has to save her from the conveyor belt. Yeah. Yeah. So dumb. <laughs> it's so and, dumb. And, but but it's, it yet, but yet it did so well in the theaters, they came up with Mannequin 2. And it got a 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like it was not considered a great movie. No. Isn't there um what else what other song is in that movie? Give me a moment. Oh my god, it's it's right there. There's another big song in that movie, I'm pretty sure. Jesus, Del Getty was in that. Was it I Knew You Were Waiting? You know what I'm talking about? Possibly, yeah. George Michael and Aretha Franklin. That's a future number one song of the day, by the way. Uh, Fantastic song. As it should be, yes. Uh, Why can I not find the soundtrack? Anyway, I'll continue on while you're looking. Thank you. Uh, The music video for this, released in 87, features Kim Cattrall and shows Mickey Thomas from Starship pursuing a mannequin who comes to life, the mannequin played by Grace Slick. Uh, It was their biggest hit, and I'm talking Jefferson Airplane, Jefferson Starship, and Starship. This was their biggest hit. 
And at the time, Grace Slick was 47 years old. She was the oldest woman to have a number one single in the United States until Cher came around at the age of 52 with Believe in 1999. Now, Grace Slick pulled a fast one on Chick-fil-A with this song because Chick-fil-A wanted to use this song for a commercial. Well, just before that, you hear the anti-LGBTQ statements by their CEO. Of course. So Grace Slick took all the money that they paid for this song and donated it to civil rights organization that focused on LGBTQ community. Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now received a nomination for Best Original Score at the 60th Academy Awards, but it lost to I've Had the Time of My Life from Dirty Dancing. There we go. You got that soundtrack? Working on it. I mean, I have them. Because I have Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now, In My Wildest Dreams, um, Do You Dream About Me and My Girl. Oh, that's it? Okay. Yeah, it was pretty basic. Maybe next week we'll... Um, I mean, I, I try to save like a, a banger for Friday. Like the, 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 the best song for the number one songs of the day. Save the best one for Friday. The Aretha Franklin, George Michael song I was just talking about that we just brought up. That, that's a Friday song. That's a, that's a well, tremendous say, song. Is this a Friday song? <laughs> I mean, technically it is, but I, I feel think like I should was... take the role of Dave G here and be like, this song <laughs> I thought I remember. If, I thought I had this song on a like a Jot Jam CD. I'm love, not joking. Love this. Despite being savaged by critics, the film made a strong profit. <laughs> what is the profit? <laughs> Heck, the all the props they had were mannequins. Are they that expensive? Right. Let's see here. All right, I'm, I'm pulling up here because. Mannequin. Oh, I don't have it here. Come on. Roger Ebert awarded it a half a star. <laughs> God. Leonard I need to Malton, go back and watch this movie. Leonard Malton called it absolute rock bottom fair, dispiriting for anyone who remembers what movie comedy should be. Okay, so the budget was $8 million and they made $42.7 million. They made some cash. 20th Century Fox made this movie. All right. Sage... You know what? You get us out when we need to get out, if you know what I mean. Um, you got some questions for us? We'll ask us anything action. You can go ahead and switch the music, or you can keep this going. I don't care. Now she wants to change it. She doesn't like it. <sighs> yeah, I have some 87. questions. I feel like, okay, my questions are pretty simple, but you gotta, you got to think for a moment. So it's, it's donut day, so I got to ask, the classic donut versus a cinnamon roll, which would you choose? Cinnamon roll. Cinnamon roll? Easy. Depends on if I'm looking for the immediate sugar high or if I'm looking for something of substance. Okay. Cinnamon roll for substance, sugar high, the classic donut. I mean, yeah. I'm not eight years old. I'm going to get something other than a regular glazed donut. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, we were talking about the uh, the chocolate glaze earlier. That's my go-to as well. Yes. So I feel that. Very good. Okay, waffles versus pancakes. Pancakes. Ooh. Yeah. I think I'm going to go with pancakes. A lot easier to spread butter on. Okay. Um, if you try to do that with a waffle, it's a nightmare. You know, my family, we went to a waffle house one time. And my dad was the one who, when the waitress came up to us, 
She goes, what do you guys want? And he says, do you guys have pancakes? We're like, dad, we're in a (laughs) Waffle House. (laughs) I think Waffle House is kind of overrated. Yeah, that's a fair statement. Speaking of simplistic, Waffle House is simplistic. Yeah. Also, every time I've been to a Waffle House, horrible experience. Like the, the service and all that, it's not a very big place. Like the wait, it was just terrible. Just terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, let's be honest. It's a minimized Denny's. Well, Denny's is just amateur hour in its own. It's not good. That's no, yeah, why I don't that, like that, that was my point. Yeah. As as Letterman used to say about uh, Denny's, hey, we're open. <laughs> and then uh, would you rather have unlimited international first class tickets? You can go anywhere, anytime. Okay. Or you never have to pay for food in a restaurant ever again. So either unlimited food Ooh. or unlimited travel. Boy, talk about closing my svelte, thinker. Yeah, my svelte form should tell you. <laughs> food. So because I love traveling, but I've never left the country. Mm-hmm. But I also, I love to eat out. Yeah. And I do that too much. So to save a couple of dollar bills in my bank account, I'm going, never paying for food in a restaurant again. I think I would go down the same route. Because, like, I also like traveling, but same. I've never been out of the country, so at that point. Actually, I don't even have a passport. Troy, do you have a passport? I do, because I needed to go to Cancun for basketball. There you go. Oh, yeah. I need to get one. I do. It was the only time I had one. I literally had to uh, had to get one for one trip. Is that it? Um. Yeah, yeah I mean, I got one other. If you had the option to live forever, would you want to do that? Yes. Oh, really? Absolutely. Have you ever seen a, oh, what is it? The Good Place? I don't know if I'd want to live forever. <laughs> yeah. Live forever. If I had the opportunity to become a vampire, oh, <laughs> I might take it. Interesting. <laughs> I don't think I'd want to be a vampire. Given the uh, given some of the things that go on in this life, I don't know that I want to live forever. I don't know that I could withstand the idiots. <laughs> As long as I could stay, like, young forever, I don't age, you know what I mean? (laughs) If I could just stay young and live forever, I mean, who doesn't want that? All right, let's get out of here. Sage is counting us down. That means the week has come to an end. But for Sage, DG, I'm Mitch. We're out. Go Cats. Have a good weekend.